Corinthians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. This is the last division within this second chapter of this epistle. And again, I remind you that the divisions that are provided within epistles um, have to do with the sentences or par- and or paragraphs of that which has been written. And this is the fourth of the four divisions within chapter 2. And so we'll begin our reading in verse 19, then read through verse 30. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But ye know the proof of him that, as a son with the Father, he hath served me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that he had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation. Because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. This passage is actually incredible. It may look to be somewhat different in light of all that Paul has already dealt with, but in reality, um, this has everything to do with the emphasis of the epistle as Paul has already taught thus far. And actually, it shows, if you will, a demonstration of exactly that of which Paul has been speaking concerning like-mindedness, concerning preferring others before yourself. If you read through that, both Timotheus or Timothy and Epaphroditus, they both are, are spoken of in such a manner. There's a reputation that precedes them or that follows them, and it is that of which is the fellowship in the gospel. And so this passage is, though Paul is explaining his desire to go to those in Philippi, of course, remember, this is one of the prison epistles. So Paul is in prison at this moment in time when he writes this epistle. And he desires to be with them, and he desired to send Timothy unto them. But yet he sent Epaphroditus, which obviously took the letter to them, and he's presenting it to them um, and ministering to them. And all of this is in relation to the fellowship in the gospel of which Paul has spoken much of or written much of up to this point in the epistle and as well as now being demonstrated. And we'll see these ties as we work through this portion of the Scripture. And we will not deal with all of this this morning, but dealing with just the portion specifically which addresses Timothy. And then, Lord willing, next week we'll move forward with the remaining portion of the text. So let's go to the Lord in prayer with these things in mind concerning this matter. And may we pray that God will help us to have open hearts to the truth of His Word this morning. Father, we are grateful again, for the privilege it is to gather with your people and open the Word of God. And we are 
so thankful that you have not only redeemed us, but that you have given us instruction and example within the Word of God by which you teach us and guide us by your Spirit who dwells within. And we pray this morning that we might truly have understanding minds and hearts receiving the truth of your Word and that we might recognize that which we are being taught and that which we are being instructed concerning the fellowship and the gospel as demonstrated by those who were committed to the furtherance of the gospel and in the fellowship of the gospel with Paul, as he mentions in this text. Lord, may we have submissive hearts unto you. Teach us, help us, Father. May your grace abound in our lives, for we are in desperate need of such grace. And we pray that in doing so, may you be glorified and honored through your church, which is, your, uh, which is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ in this world in which we live. May we understand the gravity and significance of this calling uh, to the grace of God and the gospel of Christ, and may we be obedient thereunto. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and be seated. When we began the study of this epistle, I provided, if you recall, an overview, uh, which has been many, many weeks and months now ago, in which I pointed your attention to Paul's thesis statement concerning this epistle. And I want to take you back there again as we begin this last division, fourth division of chapter 2 of this epistle. In Philippians 1, 9 through 11, we read, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment or discernment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, so that you might prove those things which are superior, is what Paul is saying, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So this is the thesis statement of this epistle in which Paul makes it very clear his desire and prayer for these Philippian believers is that they prove by living out, acknowledging, recognizing, as did he, the things that are superior, which ultimately is knowing Christ and following after Christ and, and fellowship with the body of Christ and so on and so forth, furtherance of the gospel, the fellowship in the gospel, and these many matters. And we concluded our overview of the book, again, many months ago, with the following outline of how this theme concerning all that is excellent, all that is distinctive, all that is superior, how this is carried out throughout this epistle, how we see this theme, this thesis statement consistently taught. In chapter 1, 12 through 18, we saw the excellency of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In chapter 1, 19 through 30, the excellency of salvation in Jesus Christ. In chapter 2, 1 through 13, we see the excellency of Jesus Christ and as well, of course, his humility and that example that is before us as such. In chapter 2, 14 through 18, we've seen the excellency of following after Jesus Christ or following him. And this morning, we progress in our study as we consider, as I provided in our 19 through 30, the excellency of fellowship in Jesus Christ. Now, within these verses, we are provided the fourth and final division of this second chapter. And within this portion of the text, Paul recommends Timothy and Epaphroditus to the Philippians. He commends them to them. Verses 19 and 20 we read, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded. We've heard that before, that terminology, have we not? We've already seen this in chapter 2 in the first verses. He says, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. But then in verse 25, he speaks concerning Epaphroditus. 
Yet I supposed it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. Paul recommends both men as fellow laborers in the work and the fellowship of the gospel with not only himself, but also with the Philippians. They are not, these men are not only in fellowship with Paul in the gospel, they are also in fellowship with this Philippian church in the work and ministry of the gospel. As I mentioned last week, Paul makes it clear in the previous verses that we are not alone in the faith, but we are in fellowship with others in the work and ministry and service and joy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we will see in Paul's recommendation, not only is this fellowship in the gospel of Jesus superior in its purpose and reward, but it also produces superior results in the lives of those within this fellowship. In other words, let me, let me clarify. When we are genuinely committed to the fellowship and furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and let me explain something here too, because when we speak of the furtherance of the gospel, I'm afraid that many times we, we think of that only in terms of evangelism, and that is included, of course. But do we not understand that as believers in Jesus Christ, that All of us who know him are continuing right now in the furtherance of the gospel, not only in making the gospel known to an unbelieving world, which we should be actively engaged in evangelism, but also we are in the work of the furtherance of the gospel within the body of Christ, the furthering of the good news of Jesus Christ. The fellowship that we share is not only that... uh, of of rejoicing in being delivered from condemnation itself, but the fellowship we share is also the joy of this fellowship is in the continued knowledge and the continued fellowship that we share in the person and the knowledge of the person of Jesus Christ. And so this is of tremendous significance in understanding the good news in the gospel. Yes, the furtherance of the gospel is is important in terms of evangelization, but it's also important in terms of the body of Christ that we continue in the knowledge of He who has redeemed us and in the joy of this fellowship. And this produces a superior result within the lives of those who are in genuine fellowship in this respect. That though you can join together and agree in agreement about certain things, I mean, think about the political parties, think about the clubs, Think about youth clubs, adult clubs uh, that meet and have all of these memberships that they join to and things such as that. All these organizations that are are present. Even uh, one that I'm sure many of you enjoy being a part of, a homeowners association. And how wonderful are those? But you think about all of these matters, all of these memberships and organizations and all these things. But hear me. Being part of the body of Christ and the fellowship that we enjoy and share together in the furtherance of the gospel and the fellowship of the gospel is superior to all other things that could ever even begin to compare, which really don't compare at all. And so there is results that are produced within the lives of those who are in genuine fellowship and committed to the furtherance of the gospel. We see that Paul, in verses 19 through 23 here, We see his commendation of Timothy regarding the fellowship of the gospel. Let's read verses 19 through 23 again. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort 
when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek... Now listen to verse 21. This is, this is a very interesting statement, is it not? For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But ye know the proof of him, Timothy, as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. Paul refers to Timothy here, makes reference to him as a son in the faith. When he says as a son with a father, he, of course, is referencing himself in the position of the father and, and, and Timothy as the son in this analogy or comparison. And we know that Timothy was under the teaching of Paul. He had served and did serve with Paul, and he was faithful to the gospel as was Paul. Paul's recommendation of Timothy to the believers at Philippi and Paul's desire for Timothy to visit with the Philippian church is of no small matter. While Paul and other New Testament writers were not shy when it was necessary for them to call out, to rebuke those who were not faithful to maintain and declare the purity of the gospel as Paul had already done in the previous chapters of this epistle, They also, that Paul and other uh, apostles and writers, were bold in acknowledging and recommending those who were faithful in the fellowship and furtherance of the gospel. Paul committed Timothy not only to the Philippian church, but also to the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians 16, verses 10 and 11, we read, Now if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear. For he worketh the work of the Lord as as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. So here again we find a commendation of Timothy to the Corinthian church as with also the Philippian church. So we understand that Paul views Timothy as a son in the faith, but he had spent time with Timothy, he had instructed Timothy, he had taught Timothy, and Timothy had served with him, and Timothy had proven to be a faithful servant in the gospel. So he speaks there again of this fellowship concerning the gospel. If you look back again once more, he speaks about again in verse 20 how that Timothy is like-minded as none other, how that he, of course, is not seeking his own, obviously, but the things which are Christ's. And then he says in verse 22, he hath served with me in the gospel. And so this in itself is fellowship in the gospel. So let's consider these truths concerning the gospel and its fellowship within these passages as Paul recommends or commends Timothy to the church at Philippi. First, we see in letter A, the necessity of gospel fellowship. Verse 19, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be a good comfort when I know your state. Now we must remember that when Paul wrote this letter, as I previously mentioned, he was in prison. And while it has been well noted that Paul had already exhorted the church to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling, for it was God which was working in them, both to will, to desire, and to do, to act and perform, to live out his good pleasure, Paul desired nonetheless to send Timothy as a minister to this church at Philippi. Now, this is not, this in no way is, is, is contradictive. And understand that, that Paul has already said, you work out, you personally, individually, as believers within the church at Philippi, 
work out your salvation, recognizing and depending upon the God who is to put the desire within you and the ability within you by His indwelling Spirit to live out the truth of His good pleasure. But now Paul sends desires to send Timothy, he says, to the Philippian church as a minister to them. And part of this reason or cause for this was that Timothy then would, would testify back to Paul, report back to Paul of the present condition of the Philippian church. Timothy's fellowship in the gospel was not only transformative in Timothy's life, but it also had an effect in Paul's life and all those to whom Timothy ministered. The fellowship in the gospel is a fellowship in the same call, the same purpose, and the same commitment. Paul sending Timothy demonstrated Paul's deep desire and yearning for the church at Philippi to spiritually prosper as Paul acted on this desire in the only manner which he was free to do at that time, which was to send other faithful men to minister and assist the church, of which Timothy was one of these faithful men. Now, let's step back for just a moment and understand the bigger picture here of what is actually taking place. Here we see Paul, obviously, we've already dealt with this and we'll continue to see this through this reigning portion of this text, that Paul has a yearning desire to, as we will see in, as we've read this morning in further verses, that Paul had a desire to go to Philippi to see the Philippian church, to minister to the Philippian believers. Paul says he already sent Epaphroditus, no doubt, with this letter to them to minister to them. And he also declares he desires to send Timothy unto them and will do so shortly, and we'll get to this in a moment, when he is able or feels as though it is the proper time to do so, that he will send Timothy to them. And there's a reason as to why he states that. But we can look at this at a surface level, if you will, or if, if we could say horizontal level and say, okay, so Paul, Paul is, has a yearning desire to minister to this church. Paul has a yearning desire to make certain that they are doing well and it will bring him comfort, it will bring him joy when he hears the testimony that the church is prospering, continually spiritually prospering, and that they are remaining faithful to the call of God and to the work of the gospel and the fellowship of the gospel, as is the testimony of this church already. So Paul has a, a desire. and He says, I want to come to you. I want to send Timothy to you. But I have sent Epaphroditus unto you, all for the sake of ministering to this body of believers. So if we look at that only at a horizontal level, we of course see that there are men such as Paul the Apostle, who is a church planter, an evangelist, or apostle to the Gentiles, who has a great desire to see the development and maturity and spiritual pros prospering of the churches as they would follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. But there is a bigger picture here that we must understand. And this is a great joy if you really see what's happening here. God is faithful to the care of His church. So Paul is just an instrument being used by the Lord to send Epaphroditus, to send Timothy, and eventually meet with them himself as he would desire to do in ministry to them, but the bigger picture here is that God is providentially working, and even when Paul himself could not go, God is still faithful to minister to this church by Paul sending others to them. As I previously have mentioned, Paul uses the different parts of his body, the body of Christ that is, 
to minister to the body as a whole. Paul wrote concerning this matter in his epistle to the church at Ephesus. And if you ever uh, have been here when we've gone through ecclesiology or body theology, as we also may refer to it, you know that it is very clear that God has constructed His body in such a way that all the needs that are present are ministered to when that body is submissive, when individual parts of that body is submissive to the head of that body, which is Jesus Christ. I've said to you many times, and I will say to you again, it is not primarily important that we have more funds as New Life Baptist Church, that we have more money, that we have more people, that we have more activity, that we have more programs. What is fundamentally, primarily important is that we are submissive to the Spirit of God using the Word of God and the gifts He has gifted us in our lives to minister one to another and as a light of the gospel in a darkened world. God has a purpose. The purpose is the fellowship in the gospel and the furtherance of the gospel. And those who are in fellowship in the gospel will be, have a genuine commitment to the furtherance of the gospel and to the edifying of the body of Jesus Christ. And therefore, God will meet the needs of the body through the body as it edifies itself, as Scripture explains. Ephesians four fifteen and 16, Paul wrote to the Ephesians concerning this. He said, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So this is, this is obviously foundationally important. Christ is the head of the body. From whom the whole body, from whom? From the head. The head is Christ. From the head, the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Do you understand what Paul just clearly states here? And there's many other passages, Corinthians, Romans 12, many passages that deal with body theology or ecclesiology and how the body is structured and compacted. Here, Paul makes it clear in Ephesians that every joint supplieth. Is that saying that, that we're the ones doing this? No, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. What is that effectual working? Christ in you. The Spirit of God within you, working through you and in you to the edifying of the body of the Lord Jesus. God has equipped the body with the necessary parts for it to edify itself under the provision and power of its head, which is Jesus Christ. This is part of what it means to be in the fellowship of the gospel, as demonstrated by Paul's desire and determination to send Timothy as a faithful minister of the gospel to the church at Philippi. We have to understand that God is faithful to care for His church. God adds to the church as it pleases Him. And if God adds to His church, everyone that He adds has a place, is important within that body as it individually, the members, submit themselves unto God and the effectual working of the power of the head of the church, which is Christ in you. And so this is important to recognize. Listen, it, it, do not pray for God to edify His body. 
That is a senseless prayer. Do you know why? Because he has made provision for the edification of you as believers. Do not, that, that's like people praying, for instance, and, and singing the songs that talk about inviting the Holy Spirit into this place. No. That is absolute nonsense. As my friend Dr. Harley Howard would often say in the Hebrews class I took with him, foolishness, absolute nonsense. And so it is. We don't pray for the Holy Spirit to fill a place when he dwells in us. And we don't pray for God to edify the body when he's equipped the body to edify itself according to his power, his spirit dwelling within us. In other words, when the body lacks the edification as it should be, there's no one to blame but the body itself. Think about Again, the body, because the analogy is given throughout Scripture, one of the analogies of being a, a, the church being the body of Christ and Christ himself being the head. It is important that your physical body function according to the head, your physical head. In other words, your mind, your brain is that which controls even the involuntary parts of your physical body. The heartbeat is not beating on its own. It's impulse sent from, electrical impulse sent from the head to the heart that causes it to beat. Your lungs and breathing does not happen in and of itself. It is the function of the head to send what is necessary to cause the lungs to fill, inhale and excel and repeat and over and over and over again. And the moment that even the involuntary actions, not to mention the voluntary actions, the moment that there is a disruption between the connection of the head and the body, there is a major problem that exists and will continue until that is remedied. The body of the Lord Jesus Christ must understand that it is imperative, it is necessary that we act in submission to our head, which is Christ, in absolute absolute submission unto Him that is controlling His body. And when we fail to do so, it disrupts the entirety of the function of the body. So God has equipped the body under the provision and power of its head, Jesus Christ, to function as He's desired for the body to function. Look under B now, the evidence of gospel fellowship. Verses 20 and 21. For I have no man like-minded, Paul states, concerning Timothy, who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. The fellowship of the gospel transcends personalities, preferences, prejudices, agendas, and self-interest. If we are truly in genuine fellowship of the gospel and in the gospel, then that means there is not room for there to be division due to personalities, preferences, prejudices, personal agendas, and self-interest. Those who are truly engaged and committed to the fellowship of the gospel will demonstrate 
such commitment through selflessness and sacrificial living. We, we must not forget that this chapter begins, chapter 2 of Philippians, with Paul's exhortation for the Philippian believers to be like-minded, as I mentioned earlier, and to prefer others before themselves. And then Paul provides the exemplification of this, the example of this, as Christ lived a selfless and sacrificial life unto death, even the death of the cross, in submission to the Heavenly Father's will. Paul stated that there was none other he preferred to sin than Timothy, and he explains it is so for this reason. Look at verse 20. I have, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Notice Paul's use of the word like-minded, referring to Timothy's mindset of care for the Philippian believers. Now this obviously should immediately point our attention back to what Paul has already stated about being like-minded in Philippians 2, 2, and 3. Fulfill ye my joy, Paul wrote, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Notice what he says here, let each esteem other better than themselves. And again, I remind you that when Paul mentions or the epistles mention like-mindedness, you will find that it is if not every time, the majority of the times that like-mindedness is mentioned, it is in direct relation to humbling oneself and esteeming others before ourselves. Paul further explained how this like-mindedness looked. Look at what he says in verse 21. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Paul's exhortation here to be like-minded is much more than living in agreement. But it is to live in submission to our head, Jesus Christ, in worship to our Heavenly Father while serving one another as we humble ourselves and look to the needs of others before our own. Timothy, by being like-minded with Paul concerning the care of the Philippian church, was seeking not his own interests, but was committed to the things of Christ, such as the church of the Lord Jesus and care for that church. And that's why Paul mentions in verse 21, after having stated there was none other like-minded as was Timothy with Paul concerning the Philippian church and care for the church than Timothy. And then he says, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. And the reason he makes this statement is he's showing that there is a contrast between the spirit and attitude of Timothy, who is a proven minister of the gospel, a proven fellow soldier in the gospel, a proven man who is in fellowship with Paul in the gospel and fellowship with this Philippian church in the gospel for the sake of the furtherance of the gospel. We must be constantly guarded against the ever-present temptation to be, to become, or to focused on our rather than that of the furtherance and fellowship of the gospel and care of the church of the Lord Jesus. Notice, Paul does not say here, oh, Timothy is one of many I could have sent, though there's no doubt others, such as Epaphroditus, who was sent. But Paul doesn't say, oh, I could have chosen out of anyone within the churches of Ephesus or Galatia or those in Colossus. He, said, I, I, he doesn't say that, or Corinth, for that matter. But he says, oh, 
I'm sending Timothy, I desire to send Timothy, and one of the reasons why is because there's no other like-minded as is he who will naturally care for your state. Notice that word there as well, naturally care, naturally. He's saying here that this isn't something that necessarily Timothy will have to be instructed to do. It's going to come naturally from him, not from the person of Timothy, from his fellowship in the gospel and submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. This will naturally occur. He will naturally care for you. He will naturally be concerned for your state. He will minister to you in the gospel. And then again, verse 21, in contrast to that, such as Timothy has proven to be in fellowship of the gospel, a a believer and follower and minister of the Lord Jesus, Paul says, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Now that is somewhat of a condemning statement, if you really think about it. Wouldn't it be better if Paul could have actually said, for believers seek the interests of Jesus Christ. For believers are committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. All believers. No, but what does he say here? He says, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But yet Timothy, in contrast to that, is one who will naturally care for you. He is like-minded as am I, Paul says, concerning the fellowship and furtherance of the gospel. So again, we must be on guard. We must be careful. Because I will tell you straightforward, I confess this morning that there is within me a great danger of seeking my own self-interest. But I can now say, because I've already shared that about myself, that whether you confess it or not, there is within you a great danger of seeking your own self-interest. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it could be testified that while others seek their own interests, that we are committed to the fellowship of the gospel and furtherance, fellowship and furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And that's what Paul is stating here about Timothy. But then let's look See, the value of gospel fellowship. Verses 22 and 23. But ye know the proof of him, Timothy, that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. The now proof means proven character. This use of the word is not only referencing Timothy's faithfulness, but also the value of his faithful fellowship and commitment to the furtherance of the gospel. Paul personally valued Timothy's fellowship because of the gospel to the point that he could not yet send Timothy. That's exactly what Paul is saying here. He's saying, oh, I I want to send Timothy to you, but I can't yet. And here's why, because Timothy is involved in present ministry of the gospel with me. And so as soon as I am able, I will send him to you, but I'm not able to send him yet. Paul valued Timothy's fellowship in the gospel. And this is what Paul was intimating when he wrote in verse 23, him, Timothy, therefore I, Paul, hope to send presently so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. Now, this is not a selfish statement Paul is making, but Paul 
valued Timothy's ministry and fellowship and in the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul, God was using Timothy in Paul's present ministry, even while in prison. And Paul is saying, I will send him as soon as I'm able to let him go, but I can't let him go yet. But as soon as I see how it shall go, then I will send him to minister to you. He valued Timothy. But it's not because Timothy is just a fellow minister in the sense of a casual respect, but rather it's because Timothy is proven to be committed to the interests of Christ, to the gospel and the fellowship and furtherance of the gospel. And because of this, Paul has not only a respect for Timothy, but he valued Timothy greatly. Now again, the only reason this is so is not because Timothy and Paul just agreed on things. The like-mindedness there is not simply, oh, Timothy and I, yeah, we, we, we always get along when we're together. No. The like-mindedness has to do with fellowship in the gospel, the furtherance of the gospel, and self-sacrifice, selflessness in the ministry of the gospel. There is no limit to the need and value of proven gospel fellowship. While many may claim to possess a desire for the gospel and demonstrate a superficial care for the gospel and the church of the Lord Jesus, those who genuinely are concerned with the fellowship of the gospel will demonstrate a selfless and sacrificial attitude in the care of the church and a commitment to the fellowship and furtherance of the gospel as they live their lives. This is of tremendous importance. Paul is saying, I want to send Timothy to you, but I'm not able to yet because of his value in the ministry of the gospel in which we are engaged, but I will send him in time as I am able. But there is none other committed to the work and ministry of the gospel as is Timothy that I know of, Paul is saying. What a commendation to be made. Not to exalt Timothy by any means, but to exalt Christ in Timothy as he has remained faithful in sacrifice and selflessness concerning the gospel ministry. May we, as the body of Christ, may we individually making up the body of Christ, may we as individual parts connected within this body of Christ under the headship of Jesus Christ, may we be like-minded with Paul and Timothy as they demonstrated the mind of Christ and humble, selfless, sacrificial commitment to the fellowship and furtherance of the gospel and care for the church of the Lord Jesus. May we be like-minded. Remember, Paul mentions in the first verses of this chapter that you would be like-minded. Then in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And how Christ, giving the example of the humility of our Lord Jesus and the exaltation of our Lord Jesus and this superiority of his person and sacrifice and exaltation. And then he's saying, oh, by the way, Timothy is one of such which I referred in the previous verses. And might we say that Paul is actually saying in verse 21, he is implying or intimating here that Timothy has the mind of Christ unlike so many others of which Paul could not send. Here's the question to really be asked of us this morning, especially in relationship to Paul's commendation of Timothy in such a, 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 
an exact and definitive manner. Not can we claim this, because that's not important what we claim. Could it be testified of you that you truly have the mind of Christ, not only in being redeemed in salvation, of course, but that the mind of Christ is being demonstrated through your life in a selfless and sacrificial commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ, in its fellowship, in its furtherance, and in the care of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Could that be stated of us? Could it truly be testified of us that we are like-minded in the fellowship of the gospel? Or would it be more fitting to say, for we all have our own self-interest in mind? Because that is the contrast. It's one or the other. It can never be a mix of the two. It's really one or the other. Either we are committed in the fellowship of the gospel or we are committed to our own self-interests. Which would be stated of us in truthfulness? I believe it's a very important question to ask. It's an important question for us to work through. Because as much as we may claim we are committed to the fellowship of the gospel, the manner in which that is being demonstrated as testified by Paul concerning Timothy is that he will care naturally for you in your state. He will minister to you where you are, as you are, and it will come naturally from him. Not because Timothy's just a great guy. No, because of his like-mindedness in the fellowship of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's stand together in prayer. Father, thank you for...